0: Amber. Public service announcement before we get started tonight. I was talking to Casey Pullum this morning, you know, our resident conservation officer, and I learned something, and I need to pass this along to you folks this afternoon. For you guys, especially that are hunters, do you understand what the penalty is if you are caught spotlighting at night in the month of November? With a weapon in your car? I just learned this this morning. True. Anybody know what it is? It is, Casey tells me, it is an automatic, no questions asked, five days in jail. Serious. So, I have a concealed weapons permit, so I usually have a weapon in the car. When we go home on Wednesday, where's, I'm looking for my wife, she's not there. Nursery, okay, I need, we need, I need to tell her, we're going home with our headlights off. No way am I going to let Casey pull me over. For sh- God, we see all kind of deer, you know, their eyeballs and what have you. But but I'm serious about what I learned this morning. He said, oh yeah, he said, he said, it's an automatic five days in jail if you're caught spotlighting and you have a weapon with you. I think it's somewhat less if you don't have a weapon, but... Anyway, public service announcement. Do I have what? I guess so. Do what? Oh, they won't go off? Well, we'll spend the night on Wednesday nights. We'll just just stay here. We like being at church anyway. This afternoon's message entitled, The Words of My Mouth, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about words. In fact, the Bible teaches us outside of Proverbs that we Christians are to give careful heed to our speech. In fact, it tells us to avoid corrupt words or bad speech, but it encourages us to speak words that edify. And we need to understand that. We need to appreciate that Ephesians four nine, and we're gonna then we're gonna go to Proverbs. But in Ephesians four nine, it says, "Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers." There, it's contrasting corrupt communication with words that are used to edify. The the world doesn't know our lost family, our lost friends, lost co- coworkers. They will say, many of them, not all, but many of them will say anything and not think anything of it. They can say hateful things. They will say ugly things. They will say mean things. <coughs> they will use offensive language. They will talk about certainly inappropriate things and not even blush. We cannot be like that. We're different. We are born again. We're not walking in darkness. We've been saved. Our eyes have been opened to the truth. Maybe before we were saved, we talked that same way, didn't think anything of it. But it's different now. We have a better way, a better testimony. We need to understand as Christians and grow in this area that our words can both tear down or build up. I've met some people who are proud of the fact. That I just say what is on my mind and you know and they, they seem to take pride in that. and I'm thinking, do you not realize what you're saying? Do you not realize how immature you're sounding as a Christian to take pride in the fact? well, I just tell people what's on my mind. A, a, a mature Christian doesn't talk even like that. but we need to understand that our speech can either tear up or build, uh, build up or tear down. Dr. Willard Harley, in the, in the videos and the material that I use for marriage counseling, says this. And I'm making a, a comment here about what, what he says. It's not directly what he says, but related to what he says. What, what he says is this. He says, you can have a lot of arguments, spouses can, and not even remember a day or two later what it was you were arguing about. I think we've all married couples experienced that. Just a few days later, what, what were you arguing about on Tuesday? I don't remember. You know, but if somebody tells you a lie, you will remember that for a long, long time. You can remember that for years. Whereas you might not be able to remember a conversation. You might not even be able to remember uh, an argument that you had and, and what it was all about. But if your spouse lies to you, particularly if it's your spouse... You will remember that 10, 15, 20 years later. And that that was words. It was words. Words are powerful. We need to understand that. Words can either tear down or build up. I remember uh, it was 20 years ago or more. We were over in the old building. And I remember it like it was yesterday. There was a couple in the church. They, they came up from downstate. I don't think they were in the church that long. In fact, I don't even remember their names. I, do, I couldn't, you could offer me a million bucks, I'd start guessing. <laughs> I'd be guessing a lot of names, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you their name. But uh, they came in my office one day, and they were upset about something, and they, they said, listen, you, you don't have any business pastoring. You, you need to go back to school teaching. That was 20-something years ago. And I remember that like it was yesterday, because that was not fun to hear. That that was painful. My point is, we all need to be careful and considerate of what we say. I can also remember, and may, I think I've mentioned this from the pulpit maybe once before, but the church that I was at down in Illinois prior to coming here, and we were just there for two years, and that was two years way too long. Had one of the most mean spirited pastors you could ever meet in your life. Sharon and I weren't there one week, and I turned to her and I said, What have we gotten ourselves into? And I'm really embarrassed and ashamed to say that we stayed there two years. That was two years way too long, but this will tell you what I'm talking about because when I went to that pastor and told him I felt the uh, the Lord had called me to pastor, in any other situation, I've heard a pastor say, Well, that's fantastic. God will bless you. We'll be praying for you. And anything I can do to help you make that transition. But in this case, I shared that with the pastor, and my last day at work there, he told me, he said, Mac, that's what he called me, he said, Mac, he said, as a pastor, you're going to fail miserably. Looking at this congregation, I guess maybe he was right. (laughs) That's a joke, it's a joke, it's, I'm just kidding, it's a joke. Um, That's what he said, you said no pastor would say that, You, you weren't under that pastor, trust me, it's worse than that. And But the Lord, we learned some things there in this, those two years. I learned a lot of what not to do. My, my point is, those words were said at least 25, probably 25 and a half well now, maybe 26 years ago. Okay? I remember those words. Now, there's billions of words in the last 25, 55 years that I don't remember. But there are certain words that I do remember. Now, on the flip side of that, go back to my sixth grade classroom with uh, my teacher Mrs. Good. Uh, for some reason, me and a couple of we we went to North Highlands Elementary School and I was shocked the last time that I went down to Louisiana. We would go back to the old neighborhood just to see how things were and we went there and that school, it's not there. They, they, they leveled it. It's just a, a lot. I was shocked to see that North Highlands Elementary School isn't there anymore. But that's where I attended sixth grade and Mrs. Good Oh, it was like, you know, my hero teacher. I loved her, respected her. She was the neatest, coolest teacher ever. And me and a couple of my buddies, there was a canal, there was a school, there was a canal, and there was a vacant lot. And we used to play in that vacant lot, the kids in the neighborhood. We didn't live, we just lived down the street from the school. And me and a couple of my buddies, as sixth graders, decided we were going to clean that lot up. And they had just trash, and we were going to clean it up, and kind of for a selfish motive. We just, we like playing in that lot. And so, word got to Mrs. Good that you know me and whoever was helping me, we were cleaning that lot up. And and I remember her calling me over to her desk. She said, "I hear you're cleaning that lot up across the canal there." I said, "Yes, ma'am." And she hugged me. She said, "I am so proud of you. That that is fantastic, folks." That was what fifty five years ago. Mrs. Good, who has long since passed away, shared those words with a little boy in her class, and I haven't forgotten him to this day. What, what, what a blessing. I remember when I was at LSU. This would have been 25, 30, 40 years ago or so. I was at LSU, and I, and I wanted to coach, but I wasn't athletic, and so I never took a uh, part in sports, but I still just had the desire when I graduated that I, that I wanted to do some coaching. And I was in a basketball coaching class and Dale Brown, he was Shaquille O'Neal's coach in college and he was there at LSU coaching and I took a coaching class with Dale Brown and I remember after class, you know, I go up to him and I I, I said, Coach Brown, I said, look, I said, I've never played sports in my life. I said, but I want to coach. I said, is it necessary that you had to have played the game in order to coach the game? And he said, who told you that? He said, of course you can coach. And again, those were the most encouraging words that that I had ever heard. And I did go on to coach, and we had a lot of success uh, in in coaching uh, down in Baton Rouge and and in Illinois. But it it was the words of a Mrs. Good. It was the words of a Coach Dale Brown. And that's the only conversation I had with him. But those words I remember so many years later. So whether the words were... Good or bad. The point is they resonate and they impact you. And we need to understand this afternoon that our words are impacting those around us. Whether it's our spouse, our children, neighbors, family, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, whatever. We need to understand that and we need to work at controlling our speech We need to understand the importance of what we are saying and particularly how it can affect others. Now that doesn't mean someone should never be reprimanded. I'm not suggesting that. It doesn't mean that you can't be honest with somebody about something that may be painful for them to hear. But we need to make sure that what we're doing is done in the right spirit and with the right motive and is factually accurate and is to be found trustworthy and honest. And what I simply want us to do just for a few moments this afternoon is to consider the two sides of speech. There is destructive speech, and there is edifying speech. Now, what I'm about to share with you, everybody already knows. I, I understand that. We already know. But sometimes we need a reminder. Sometimes I need to be reminded, you know, okay, Glenn, choose your words more carefully. Be more tempered in your speech. Don't get emotional and just spout off and say things that you would like to get back that you can't. So let's look at those two kinds of speech just kind of as a reminder of all of us today. Of what speech we shouldn't be guilty of and what speech we should be uh, involved with. So number one, two points this afternoon. First one, destructive use of speech. This is the kind of speech that no one should ever hear from the lips of a born-again Christian. Destructive use of speech. Number one is lying. Lying lips, a lying tongue. That is an abomination to the Lord. We need to understand that in a society that does not condemn lying, but in many situations applauds it. See, everything's upside down now. Used to a person would be condemned for lying, but now we applaud That that guy, he got off the hook. He lied through his teeth. And there are people that will applaud him for that, that think that's good. And we've got to be careful not to be influenced by that. There's a lot of people that think whatever it takes to get by. If I have to lie to pass the exam, if I have to lie to pass the test, I'll just do that. And with an ever-increasing number of people in our society, that's okay with them. It is not okay with us. It is never okay with us. Proverbs twelve twenty two says lying lips are abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord that deal truly are his delight. But you focus on lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. We need to understand that. We should not be lying to one another. We should not be lying to our spouses, to our children, our children to us, us to our employers, on on an exam, on on anything we might be filling out, information, we need to be honest. That is destructive speech. Lying is destructive speech. Number two is flattery. flattery. Flattery would be insincere compliments. It's a deceitful praise in order to manipulate someone. I'm telling them what they want to hear because it will get me what I want to get. That is just flattery. And the Bible condemns that. In fact it says it's a source of ruin. Proverbs twenty six twenty eight says a lying tongue hateth and we've already talked about that, hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. To flatter someone is to give them an insincere compliment. Or maybe an inaccurate compliment to say that they're great at something when they're really not. But if you say that, you're going to gain their favor and get something that you want. The Bible clearly condemns flattery. It can be a source of ruin. In Proverbs 29, verse number 5, it says, "...a man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet." Someone that flatters. Someone that gives insincere compliments. Or a dishonest compliment. It says here that they're spreading a net. In other words, nothing good is going to come out of that. It's going to come back to haunt you. Like lying, flattery can destroy both the user and the subject of the flattery. So again, we shouldn't be lying. We shouldn't be Flattering someone with an insincere or a dishonest comment in order to gain something personally. And then number three, another form of dishonest speech or disruptive speech or destructive speech is gossip, also being referred to as a talebearer, a slanderer or whisperer. Proverbs 11:13 says, "A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of his faithful spirit concealeth the matter." A talebearer revealeth secrets. We need to understand this. That's one of the things a gossip will do. A, a, a gossip will betray a, a confidence, sometimes because they like the attention. And I know something you don't know. And this will make me look important if I tell you something that I know, even though I shouldn't. That is gossip. It is destructive. Number two, gossip betrays and destroys friendships. Proverbs 17, 9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. We need to think about this verse for a second. Verse number 9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. A person of self-restraint, a person who can be told a confidence and keep it, is a person that is going, that's a loving person, that is a caring person, that is a mature person. But somebody who is repeating things that he shouldn't repeat or she shouldn't repeat is going to separate friends. It's going to cause problems. It's going to cause difficulties. It's going to break up friendships. So it betrays and destroys friendships. Number three, gossip creates strife. Proverbs sixteen twenty-seven: An ungodly man diggeth up evil in his lips; there is a, as a burning fire. A froward man, froward means just a perverse man or a bad man, soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A perverse individual is one that's going to say things that he shouldn't. Is going to so strive. You ever met anybody or know of somebody that kind of thrives on drama? I mean, they just love drama. They love hearing about drama. They love creating drama. For them, I guess it gives them meaning, it gives them purpose. Maybe there is little or nothing else in their lives worthwhile. So the only time they get attention is when they are in the midst of drama or they are creating drama. And such is the case with somebody that's repeating things and whispering things. It creates strife. Number four, it destroys character and integrity. Proverbs eleven nine: 9, hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. A hypocrite is one who will spread gossip. He'll destroy people with his mouth, with the words of his mouth. He's the kind of person that obviously lacks character. He's the kind of person that lacks integrity. One of the greatest destroyers of any congregation is gossip. People that can't wait to get on the phone. Or I guess these days you can throw in text messaging and email and Facebook and that sort of thing. There is no good that comes from gossiping. There is there is no good that comes from betraying a trust. We need to understand that. And, and we need to fight that with tooth and nail. And one of the things that you can do is very simply don't hear it. When when somebody comes to you and says, did you hear? It would be good to say, no, I didn't. And, I don't, and if it's something bad about somebody, I don't need to hear it. One of the greatest one of the greatest evidences of maturity is to understand I don't need to know everything. I don't want to know everything. Immature people are, are the kind tell me, I want to know. You heard what? Who knew that? I gotta go talk to them. What did you hear? When did you hear about it? You know, it's just this insatiable desire to want to know dirt. And it's usually dirt. We don't care compliments. So and so won such and such. Oh, I don't care. But did you hear what so and so did with somebody else? What? That's just our wicked nature. Our, our the, the nature of our flesh. Mature people get to the point where I don't know. I don't need to know, and unless it's something I can help with, or unless it involves me, I don't want to know it. I mean. If you take away the fuel from the fire, you have no fire. If you take the ears away from the gossip, you'll have no gossip. Then, in addition to gossip, another language that we should never hear and that is always destructive is cursing. And if you can imagine, especially of one's parents, "...whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness." We need to understand that there's no place in a Christian's life for cursing of any nature, whether it be of one's parents. Even though even though our world is getting coarser and cruder, we can't let that affect us. I'm just amazed, and I hope you are too, and shocked at the words you'll see being displayed on t shirts these days are bumper stickers on the back of windows of of pickup trucks. I mean, that just shows a coarsening of society that is leading us down a road and a path of just more hostility towards one of people that are out of control. You know, we we were shocked by what we heard out of uh, President-elect Trump's mouth concerning women. Now, to his credit, if I remember correctly, he apologized about that. But did you hear just a week or two later, there was this benefit for Hillary, this rock concert, I I think in Ohio, it doesn't matter where, but they talked about the vulgarity of the entertainers in that rock concert. I think we would be shocked if we heard the lyrics from those songs that include such perverseness, that, that includes curse words are nothing. It, it's, it's just a part of what they're talking about, which is so lewd and it's so terrible. But it doesn't matter that that's the way entertainers are talking or athletes are talking or famous people are talking. There's no place for that. I, I don't have this quote on the board, but I, I like this quote. Uh, Profanity is a public announcement of your stupidity. Your profanity is a public announcement of your stupidity, and I think that's to be, uh, to be appreciated, what is said there. So that's, that's destructive speech, folks. And our old flesh might want to bring some of that out sometime. <laughs> I think a lot of you know this. this is, maybe this shouldn't be humorous, but, but it is. Um, our daughter Erin down in South Carolina, grown adult lady, um, I forget what happened uh, a while back, but she said to Sharon and I on the phone, she was on speakerphone, she said, Dad, I was so mad, I almost used some McDonald's words. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? When she was a teenager and her first work outside of the house was at McDonald's, she said, Dad, I learned words there I never heard anywhere else. (laughs) So from now on, whenever she wants to say something bad, she'll say, yep, I was tempted to use some McDonald's words. And we know exactly what she means by that. But there's no place for McDonald's words. Or, like my nephew, some of you have heard this, my, my nephew was working outside with, with my dad. And he came into the house, the nep- my nephew did, he came into the house, he said, oh, Momo. You know, he called, my dad was called Pawpaw, and my mom was called Momo, okay. So uh, he, he comes into the house, and he's, a, he's, you know, five, six years old. He comes into the house, and he says, Mama, he says, Paul just said some bad words, but he had a good reason. <laughs> no, there's, there's never never a good reason. We may be tempted, and that might part, be part of our old nature, when the right buttons are pushed that we say the wrong thing and say it in the wrong way and when that does happen we just need to stop and confess say Lord I'm sorry I let that slip and that I'm not going to justify that and maybe apologize to whoever those words were said <clears throat> those are destructive words but contrary is proper speech the ability to use words in an edifying way. By edify, edify means to build somebody up, to encourage someone. Proverbs 15, 24 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. We have people in this congregation that will occasionally say something to me, good message, pastor, or whatever. I tell you what, you you, you can't, you can't help a pastor any more than just to say that that was a good message or that was a blessing to me. And there's <clears throat> there's folks in this church that that do that, and some on a regular basis, and that is so uplifting. That is such a pat on the back. Because occasionally, thankfully it's rare, somebody's gonna say, You need to go back to what you were doing before what you're doing now. And that's a counterbalance. So we need to understand the power of simply our words. Doing good. So the constructive use of speech, and we're done here. Number one, the Bible talks about us using good words, righteous words. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Uh, Verse 20, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. In other words, our, our mouths can be a well of life. It can be choice silver. It says the lips of the righteous feed many. We need to work, if necessary, to make sure that we're encouraging people. And while we might not be able to give everybody a $100 bill when they might need one or buy somebody you love a new car, while we might have limited resources financially, and we might even have limited abilities physically, if you've got the ability to speak or the ability to write a note, you have unlimited potential. To do so much good for so many people by simply speaking a good word, a righteous word. And it ought to be our goal every day to encourage as many people as we can. And, and you don't have to be some big shot for your kind words to be meaningful to somebody. I mean, I, pull, I, I really try to do this. When I pull through the, the drive-thru at a fast food place, you know... A lot of people make fun of people at fast food places. You no, know, if they're working hard, I respect them, and I appreciate the hard work that they're doing. And if somebody takes my order and does a good job with it. You know, sometimes even the person you're speaking to in the speaker, when we pull up to pay, I'll say, You got a nice voice for that. You sound, you know, and it, that just made their day. That's something I can do. That's something you can do. That's something we, we can all do. Proverbs sixteen twenty four: Pleasant words are as an honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words. Then comforting words. Proverbs 12, 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it to stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. And we have an unlimited supply of good words we can encourage somebody at the supermarket. We can encourage somebody at McDonald's. We can encourage the UPS guy. We can encourage, you know, I, I, I pray that everybody in this church would be an encourager, would, would, would express their gratitude, would express their, their, their thankfulness. Then the Bible talks about timely words, well-timed words, Proverbs fifteen twenty three. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. A word spoken in due season, timely words. Have you ever said something to somebody and you try to encourage them and they say, that is just what I needed. It has been a rough week or it's been a rough month and your kind words is exactly What I needed at this time. Those timely words. For you to be good at that, you got to, you got to, and I, talking to myself too, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and our own problems. If we're just, you know, walking around life with blinders and all we see is our own burden in front of us, chances are we're not going to be sensitive to those around us who may be struggling. And if we're not sensitive to them, then we won't be aware of the fact that we need to say something to them. And say something to them at just the right time they need to hear it. So while we have to deal with our own problems, our own issues, we shouldn't be wearing blinders. We should be looking for other people and knowing, you know, so-and-so's going through a rough week. So-and-so's been in the hospital. I know that so-and-so is dealing with a wayward son or daughter. I know that so-and-so is having some problems with his or her spouse. And I'm just going to call them. I, I, I just want to encourage them. Because you've probably said it to others yourself. You've probably said to somebody before, when they've said just the right thing to you, you said, you know what? I needed that. I needed that now. I needed that today. Timely words. Again, it says... In Proverbs fifteen, verse number twenty eight, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. What a fantastic verse that is, folks! The mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. It's the wicked that says, "I'll tell them what I think." You know, I, I'll, I'll speak my mind to anybody, any place, any time. <coughs> the Bible says that's wicked. But look at the verse before that. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. A righteous person doesn't just get emotional and fly off the handle. According to that passage, the righteous person is thinking about it. Do I want to go in there and give them a piece of my mind? No, that's what I feel like doing. But no, that's only going to ratchet everything up. Let, Let me think about this for a while. And you think about it and you pray about it. And then you go and talk to them about it. It's got to be not only well-timed words, but well-thought-out words. And we're human. Somebody pushed the wrong buttons at the wrong time. We might, any one of us, be inclined to say the wrong thing and in the wrong way and in the wrong spirit. But you come to church and then you're reminded by the grace of God and through the preaching of his word that, You know what? I I need to be smarter. I need to grow in this area. And then lastly, controlled words. Controlled words. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Good words can diffuse potentially violent situations. Whenever you're in any kind of leadership position particularly, somebody you're in charge, so you're, you're the guy where the, you know the buck stops with you, and you know that somebody's upset with you, and they're going to come in, and you know them. They're going to give you a piece of their mind, and you have to prepare yourself. And you have to be careful and tell yourself ahead of time, Going into that conversation, I am not going to let them push my buttons, and I am going to remain calm. Why? A soft answer turneth away wrath. One One of the best feelings you can have in life is to anticipate a difficult meeting with somebody. Somebody that you know is upset with you. Maybe a family member. Your brother or your sister don't like the way you did this with mom or did that or handled this or whatever, and you know their temperament, or maybe somebody at work, you know, or somebody at church could happen. And they say, I want to meet with you, and you know, oh, me, oh, me. They, they, they tend to be a hothead, and if I'm not careful, I'm, gonna be a, I'm just going to strike out back. But one of the best feelings you can ever have in life, is anticipating a difficult confrontation with somebody that is prone to be hot-headed and you go in there with the idea that you are going to have a soft voice and rather than the thing ratcheting up out of control where you end up throwing things at each other, by the end of the conversation, that person that came in angry says, you know, I'm sorry, I guess I was just a little too... Sensitive about what happened and you hug each other and you say that's okay one of the greatest victories a person can know in life is to anticipate a situation where the other person is angry and rather than throwing fuel on the fire you throw water on the fire and you never get angry back you stay calm you study to say the right thing in the right way and it goes from being a volatile situation to one where both of you are at the end saying, he says, well, I'm sorry. And you say, well, I'm sorry too. You know, I didn't mean for you to take it that way. Well, I shouldn't have t- taken it that way. And before it's over with, everything is good. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Then, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Oftentimes, how how does the quote go? It's better to remain quiet and be thought a fool than to speak your mind and remove all doubt. It goes something like that. We need to be sparing with our words. We need to be careful with what we say. In the book of Proverbs, we learn that there are destructive words and there are constructive words. Part of the maturing process is in time we get control over our speech. We get control over our words. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. In Ephesians 4.29, this is where we started, this is where we'll end. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I want my words. And sometimes, look, folks, I deal with the same things. you Sometimes my temper wants to get riled up. Sometimes I want to defend myself. If I'm not careful, I will ratchet up the situation. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not proud of that. This is an area in which I've had to work, and probably that's an area we all have to work in. Maybe some of you are really good at it, but probably most of us struggle. The temptation is, you attack me, I'm going to attack back. But we have to remember that a soft answer turneth away wrath. We need to remember that good words edify. May this, may we as a congregation, be an edifying church. May we not gossip. May we, Certainly may we not curse. May, may we not be mean-spirited in our speech. May we be thoughtful in our speech, controlled in our speech, not only here in our congregation, but with our spouses and with our children as well. Dr. Willard Harley on those... the the marriage coaching material that I use, makes an excellent point. He he says a parent out of control with a child, he calls it temporary insanity. And he says all your child ends up thinking is, my dad or my mom is crazy right now. There is no good that comes from an out of control temper tantrum with a child or with a spouse. May the Lord grant us the ability to mature in a way where the words of our mouths are encouraging to other people edifying people our heads are bowed our eyes are closed as, as we stand thank you for listening to today's message we hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word if you have any questions about Milo Baptist Church please contact us anytime You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.